Welcome to Business as an Adventure, a podcast dedicated to improving the businesses and lives of creative entrepreneurs. Together, we interview high-performing entrepreneurs and creatives from all over the world, explore what makes them and their business unique, and along the way, we uncover their secrets to help you craft your own adventure in the world of business. All right, welcome to the podcast. Today, our guests are Colorado-based wedding photographers, Jesse and Moira LaPlante, who describe their wedding niche as non-traditional photography for kick-ass couples. Jesse has been shooting weddings for 14 years, which is the same amount of time the duo has been together. Moira came to the photography role from corporate America and brings her expertise in research and client experience to the team. Standing out from the crowd is what these two do best with their alt sessions, an alternative way to shoot engagement sessions, their avoidance of cliches in both photography and their approach, and their extensive knowledge of breweries and all things libations and tacos. Beyond standing out from the crowd, Jesse and Moira have an extensive list of accolades over the years, including Jesse winning the WPJ Photographer of the Year in 2019. They were named one of the top 50 photographers in the world by ISPWP and WPJ. They have also been named the best wedding photographers in Boulder from 2017 to 2020 and have won nine fearless awards. Located in Boulder, Colorado, the pair works primarily in the Rocky Mountains but travels all over the country and abroad to shoot weddings. Welcome, guys. Hey, Thank you, Angie. That was wonderful. But I do want to point out that it's kick-ass couples, not kiss-ass <laughs> couples. That's a big difference yeah. there. So we don't have... We decided that when I do the intros, if I mess up, we're just leaving it in because this is real life, you guys. Oh, absolutely. It makes it better that way. But yeah, we don't have a lot of uh, sycophantic uh, clients that kiss our asses. But, yeah. Or anyone else's. But that was a wonderful intro. They should because you would athletes. be one of the brands out there who would use the word sycophantic as opposed to kiss ass. Though. Yeah, there you go. It's true. Boulder wedding photographers for sycophantic couples. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a brown noser? Then we're your photographer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, shit. So, what's new in the land of Jay LaPlante photography these days? Oh, man. Well, um, we have a full slate of weddings for 2021, but the first one isn't for about another five months. And it's four months, four June. Months. Yeah. Yeah, so pretty much everything. And uh, springtime has kind of postponed to uh, the last half of the year, as I'm sure is the case with a lot of photographers. But, um, you know, we're doing a lot of engagement sessions, and uh, we did an album cover shoot for a local Denver band, and we've done senior photos and maternity photos and a bunch of other things to kind of keep it together in the meantime. Yeah, we also did a quick website update, not a total redesign, but just a little bit of a, a polish. And it's amazing how much work just a little bit of a polish will take. So we've definitely kept busy. I I think that that's one of the things the pandemic has taught me is uh, we have an amazing ability to spread ourselves thin no matter what's going on in the world. (laughs) (laughs) So Angie mentioned in her in her intro uh, client experience. Can you talk to um, us a little bit about what that client experience has been like for your couples and your your clients over the last 12 months? What it's been like for rescheduling, what it's been like, the questions that have been coming in and how you've been responding to them? Because there's a lot of people out there who are looking for that kind of help. Yeah, so much of that starts with who our ideal clients are and how we really target them. And I think one of the the simplest ways to put it is that we are reasonable people who want to work with reasonable people. Um, we don't get a lot of you know high drama weddings, and we get a lot of people who are just you know I mean best word is reasonable. So when things first started happening last March, um, we reached out to all our clients, 
kind of, we, we took the Dave model and reached out before they started pinging us just saying like, Hey, here's how we're approaching it. We're kind of keeping up to date with what the local regulations are and figuring out what we have to do. But really what we're doing is we're making sure that we stay healthy and we're you know very committed to shooting nobody. So just delaying those immediate knee jerk reaction fears. And then ever since then, it's simply been massive amounts of communication. And we, we keep our, our weddings to 20 per year so that we can you know, really tailor our communication to every single couple. And we have that capacity to, um, you know, not just send out blast emails all the time, although we do occasionally send out emails to everyone who we're working with. But we want to be able to answer questions specifically, uh, be available if they're texting, if they're having some, you know, stressing out about something, want our opinion on something. So it's just a matter of making that space for us to be able to answer client questions and allay their fears. Awesome. I was watching Andy's gears grind while you were saying all of that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're saying you, you limit yourself to 20 weddings a year. Were you guys ever at a point, like, how did you get to that point? Was it a, a numbers game or you're just like, we need to shoot 20 weddings a year. So then that way we make X amount of money. Or was it like, that's what we, we need to limit it at that number. So then that way we have a good client experience. What did that process look like for you guys? Well, I think that the catalyst for it was that we didn't want to burn out. We realized that if we were going to do a ton of shoots, we probably wouldn't be in the game for very long because we'd just get sick of it sooner. Uh, and we wanted to, instead of doing the same cookie cutter shots for every single couple, we wanted to do something completely different at every different wedding. And we found out that 20 was kind of our sweet spot to make a living and simultaneously do something that fulfills us creatively as opposed to just kind of shooting the same photos over and over. Um, and then we, I think we, did we sit down and sort of break out the, you know, figure out what we needed to make per wedding in order to continue living the lifestyle we wanted to live. I think in the future, we'll probably whittle it down even further from 20. 20 is kind of our upper end at this point, just based on how much work we put into each wedding on the front end. Like Morris said, with all the communication and the shooting, and we rarely shoot the same venue twice. So there's a lot of location scouting and working with each individual couple to make sure that their wedding shoot is unique to them. Uh, so we just pour so much blood, sweat, and tears into it. The 20 is kind of what we can handle without going mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah, so much of it is about just providing space for us. And it sound, that sounds very like photographer-centric. It's like, well, we want to make it easy on us. But we've learned that just our personalities and the way we work, if we provide that space for us to, you know, work more creatively to actually sit and think about like, okay, what are we going to do uh, instead of just go, 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 go. When we are rushing, we tend to, uh, you know, like anybody lean back on what we've done in the past that we know that works. And so if we don't provide that space actively for ourselves and very intentionally, then we can't do the kinds of photos that really, you know, inspire us, but also that our couples really love. And, and we are so lucky that we've found this nice little overlap in the Venn diagram where the work that we do happens to also attract clients that we really, really love. And I'm the type of person who needs to step away from time to time uh, and to come back to it with a fresh eye. I think if I was shooting every single weekend, I would never be able to sort of remove myself and uh, see the forest for the trees. So I don't, I don't want to be, I, I can't be thinking about photography all the time. I become too mired in the process of it. I need to kind of get away you know, take some time to read a book, travel a little bit for pleasure, watch some movies, and then come back and, uh, you know, sort of reassess and figure out how we, what we want to change, uh, what we've been doing well, what we haven't been doing well, and what we need to change moving forward. So we definitely need that space. Mm -hmm. Is it along the same lines of 
why you don't shoot the same locations more than once. It's just to, for fresh eyes and for keeping moving. That's less our choice. Not that we'd necessarily well, choose to shoot the same locations, but it's just Colorado has probably the same amount of wedding venues as it does wedding photographers, which is to say there's a lot. I like to tell clients that if they throw a stone in Colorado, they're either going to hit a wedding venue or a wedding photographer because they're so prolific. <laughs> so it, it, because of that, like just the nature of that, we we tend to shoot new venues every single year or venues we haven't been to because there are so many. The other thing is uh, we are on some preferred vendors lists, but in general, uh, I feel like our ideal client isn't coming to us via lists from venues and planners and things like that. We do get referrals, of course, but most of the people who end up hiring us are people who've been through those lists. And then they say, well, we haven't quite found something that we, we want here. And then they, they dig further. You know, they go down the Google rabbit hole. They start searching Instagram hashtags, uh, things like that. And they find us that way. Yeah, it's actually pretty funny because uh, every time I, I ask a client on our um, Good Fit phone call, it's like, do you remember how you came across our stuff? A lot of times I get really convoluted answers. Well, I clicked on, I started on this website and then that took me to this other one. And then that took me to another one. And I mean, to our ideal client, that's part of their process too, is they enjoy that search. They enjoy looking for, you know, that, that diamond in the road, the, the perfect fit for them. They're, late, they're looking for something different as opposed mm-hmm. to like, okay, here's the five photographers that the venue likes. We're going to pick one of those based on price. Gotcha. Right. Talk to us a little bit about your ideal client because i feel like you guys have a different ideal client than most people who are in the wedding space yeah so one of my favorite things uh is to win over people who don't necessarily uh like wedding photography because it has this stigma that it's kind of homogenous or and washed out or whatever like we went over a lot of grooms uh, who go to our website and see the photos and now they're they can get on board with it and they're like oh okay now i can see how wedding photography might be might be fun or engagement sessions might be fun Another anecdote is uh, back years ago when we used to do uh, wedding shows, wedding expos, uh, we were setting up the morning of the show in the hotel. Uh, and as we we're hanging up our uh, big metal prints of our star photos and things like that, I looked up and noticed that uh, there were a couple janitors uh, from the hotel watching us set up and they're speaking to each other in Spanish and kind of pointing out the, the photos. Uh, and I just thought that was really cool that, you know, even though these guys probably have zero interest in wedding photography, uh, they still kind of stopped because our, our photos uh, spoke to them in some way and it made them kind of stop what they were doing and, uh, and stop and chat a little bit. So, mm-hmm. yeah. What do you attribute that for in your style? Is it coming from a non-wedding photography background? This wasn't your first foray into photography or is it your love of cinema? Like, Where do you think that this different view on a very standardized type of photography comes from? Such a good question, Dave. Yeah, that's a great question, Love Dave. It. You should do a podcast or something. <laughs> <laughs> Write that down, Angie. <laughs> my my parents are both artists, and I um, I spent the majority of my childhood traveling around the country to music festivals and art fairs, and I was exposed to a million different art forms at a very young age. I dabbled in. I played instruments, I street performed, I learned how to juggle, I made paintings, I did carvings, and, uh, and about a million other things. And then I became, I went to a college for photojournalism and started out as a newspaper photographer. And then when that industry went under, I realized I had to find another uh, uh, stream of revenue. So when we got into weddings, we started kind of shooting in that same homogenous style that I referred to because we thought that's what weddings were supposed to look like. This is wedding photography. This is what you have to do. You have to fit in, right? But we kind of found that we were sort of a square peg in a round hole and 
that if we were going to continue sleeping at night and do it long term and not just do it to pay the bills, you know, which was felt a little bit soul sucking those first few years, we realized that we were going to have to start doing it uh, with our own voice and changing a little bit. It started out as sort of a selfish decision, right, for us to make our lives better and to keep us uh, engaged and interested in it. But then going back to the ideal client thing, once we started to find, we realized that we were attracting people who like that style. And even though it's sort of a niche segment of the market, that they do exist out there, right? Like whatever you're into, there's somebody out there who's going to dig it. And we realized that uh, even though it's niche, uh, it was also a very rabid following. But like I used to compare at our workshops, I compare ourselves to an insane clown posse, and <laughs> that like our our ideal client is the juggalos, right? It's such a niche niche segment of the of the uh, population, but they're very rabid and very passionate about it, and that's um, you know kind of how. And, and then I remember one of our students, uh, I can't remember who it was. She was like, "You need to come up with a better band to <laughs> compare yourselves to." <laughs> I was like, true. I do not like Insane Clown Posse. Yes. I am not a juggalo. Um, but that was the best metaphor I could come up with. Maybe like we... It's a great metaphor. Their yeah. fan base is intensely, intensely loyal. I remember watching a documentary all about the gathering of the juggalos. I did too, just, yeah. It's like, holy cow, these people love this band, even though the singers don't know how magnets work. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I, yeah, no, I think that the concept is really interesting, and I'm seeing it more and more in wedding photography these days. Um, there's a great article by Kevin Kelly called Thousand True Fans that I send to people all the time, where they're they're talking about, oh, well, we want to shoot this, but people won't like it. And it's like, well, which people and how much? Because mm -hmm. if, if you wanted to make $100,000 a year, you need 1,000 fans who will buy a $100 item from you once a year. That's it thousand people you don't need a million instagram followers you don't need you know forty thousand facebook people or whatever you need a thousand people who love what you do and for wedding photographers it's even less because our ticket price is so much higher so if you if you want to do something weird time and time again it's been proven that it can be done in our industry with you know jesh rocks and his his methodology the chrismans uh, the mans like people who have like done things different gabe mcclintock i remember when his dark and moody style came out and everyone's like oh that's depressing no one will ever want that for photos and he's still doing it people still love it if you can if you can really lean into what it is that you're doing and understand your market i think i mean you guys are, have proven that it works you can just get a million rocket scientists who love your work. And <laughs> well, away you, go. you know, and there's just, there's also a simplicity to it. You know, if we aren't trying to capture everyone's attention, it's a lot easier. And so much of what we do in our business and in our photography is about simplicity because we don't want to overcomplicate things that, that takes away that brain space for, that, you know, we want to use to come up with those creative ideas and, you know, and then how to execute those creative ideas, because that's also a challenge, but, um, it's something that's the part that we enjoy mo the most. And that's the part that really, you know, gets the people who are like-minded and, and really, you know, like the, not only the, the end result, but also the process. It's also kind of the philosophy of uh, Seth Godin's works like the Purple Cow. And I forget the name of the other one, but he essentially says that a, a product for everyone is a product for no one. Right. Like, um, you shouldn't you can't be all things to all people all the time. Right. We, we only, we're only, we only have so many, there's only so many hours in the day. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's easier to, and again, like, since we're only doing 20 weddings, taking us as an example, we only need to get 20 people, right, per year. 
you don't need a thousand people. We need 20 uh, yeah. who dig what we do. Uh, and that's so far it's worked out for us. Yeah. 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 I mean, Seth Godin also says to like, ask yourself who this work is for. And if the answer is just for you, maybe don't ship it, leave it and leave it, you know, do it for fun. Um, Cause you can, I think you can take it a little too far, but I think the simplicity concept and, and asking who it's for and knowing that truly in your business, like, you guys have done ideal clients and you have done all of these things. You've, you've looked at your business in this way. And I think so many photographers come into this industry, not doing any of that. You know, they just start, they grab a camera, they start throwing spaghetti at the wall and they shoot light and airy and do whatever, or because that's what everybody else, that's the, the people they see succeeding. They see this. And so they're just like, Oh, I'm just going to copy that. And then they lose themselves. Uh, in, yeah. in well, that process. you know, and I don't want people to think that we came in, and did this very intentionally, like step one, shoot the way that we want to shoot. Step two, get all the people that we love as our clients. <laughs> step three, question mark, step four, you know. I wouldn't put it money. past you guys. <laughs> I appreciate that. That's no. very kind. It's, no, I it's mean, in I, looking I, back and navel gazing, we realized that's what yeah. that's what happened. Yeah, it's it's been a very circuitous route, which I think for most people who you might consider successful, which, you know, I, I like our life. So I would at this point in our life, consider ourselves successful in, in doing this. Um, it's not a straight path. It's not just step one, step two, step three. It's very, it, there's a lot of trial and error. Were there any major pitfalls that you guys came across along the way that you could maybe help somebody avoid? Mm. Well, I think that, you know, when you first start a business, you're kind of told that you have to, you know, you got to do, you got to build a great website. You got to do good SEO. You have to be on top of your social media. You Networking. have to do... You have to do networking. You have to work on your craft. You have to do a million things, but nobody has time for all that shit, right? So, like, I think what's more important is to pick just a couple of things uh, and really go all in on those things. It's kind of like the uh, the Ron Swanson quote, you know, uh, "Don't half-ass a bunch of different things. Whole-ass one thing," right? So, I have personally whole-assed. <laughs> I have, and I didn't know that when we first, the first bunch of years, I was like, oh, I have to do all these things. And I was spread so thin because I was wearing 114 different hats. But then I realized, you know, what, where my skills lie is, is the photos. So I went all in on that, right? And more is more business minded. Uh, so she's able to take on some of those other things. And we've been able to, you know, create this delineation of tasks where, uh, you know, she does what she's great at. I do what I'm great at, and, and never the twain shall meet. Right? They overlap a little. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess they do a little bit. But you just ruined the point that I was trying to make more. Well, that, that's more. That's a secondary point about cross training, so that you know the the business doesn't fail if one of us, I don't know, falls off a cliff at the Grand Canyon. Yeah, it doesn't. Right, it would become much much worse for sure, especially yeah. if Mora fell off the cliff at the Grand Canyon. <laughs> I am also the more likely one to fall off. The I would have to get a job at a movie theater or something, probably, but. Well, on that note, you guys do the sort of the, the husband and wife team thing a little bit different than other people. Can you just let everybody know how it works for your business? Yeah. Um, so we are both fairly competitive in what we think that we're good at. And so we realized pretty early on that we didn't, it wouldn't be very functional if we were competing at the same thing. Neither one of us, I think, would be very happy. But as Jesse says, so my background is in business. I, you know, I worked in corporate America. I worked for nonprofits. Um, I've done a lot of administrative type things, finance, accounting, all that stuff. My background is, or my, my degrees in marketing and management of human resources, which you don't do, thank 
Thank goodness. You manage me sometimes. I do. I, I could be considered a human resource. <laughs> I, man- I manage you a lot. Of times. <laughs> I don't. I'm not. I don't know how resourceful I am, but I, I guess I. Um, So I I take on a lot of the front end. So I think that that's probably the the clearest delineation is I do most of the front end work. We both work on the wedding day. Jesse does most of the back end work. So, you know, I do everything from, you know, working on the website. We don't outsource that. (laughs) We don't outsource really much. We really don't outsource anything. Um, We're a little bit controlling, but in that case, we, we let go of things that don't you know, that aren't important to us, but the things that are important to us, we want to, you know, touch and have a hand in websites. One of them, you know, every time someone emails us or texts us or goes through the chat function on our website, we want to, I get back to them. It's not an automated response. It's, it, that's me. I do the, the lead phone calls. So every time someone reaches out to us, we try to get them on the phone as quickly as possible, talk to them right away, learn about who they are. And, and that phone conversation to me is very important because that's the best way for me to really get to know the clients. And I do explain to them like the reason that we're on this call right now is because if you do decide to book us for your wedding, I want to have all these notes. I want to know everything about you. And so much is gleaned from this, this very first contact. If you don't decide to book us, I want to know enough about you where I can recommend someone who might be a better fit for you. But then, you know, say they do book us, I handle all the booking, the timeline consultation, everything, planning, leading up to the wedding, you know, really getting to know them very, very well and finding out what's most important to them photographically. So we know what to focus on on the wedding day. Then on the wedding day, we both shoot. Another way of saying all this is that Maura runs the business and I take pictures. (laughs) You also edit pictures. And I edit pictures. Yeah. Yeah. She does a lot more than I do. That's for sure. So yeah, you know, and then on the wedding day and then after the wedding day, kind of pass it off to Jesse and, and he calls the photos, edits the photos. Maura shoots too, though. Yeah. Um, she's, I wouldn't say that you're a second shooter like a lot of people have. It's more of like a 1A and a 1B. You know, she's with the bride the whole day. I'm with the groom, that sort of thing. But I take most of the portraits. And uh, by the time that the reception rolls around, you're pretty much done shooting because she <laughs> usually has to start like four hours before me. Yeah. I feel uh, hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, and then, uh, yeah, then I do all the editing. But everything that um, has to do with the business or client relations, all those, oh, that's all kind of Maura's territory. Hmm. So, Jesse, you know, you, you do all the, you say you do most of the shooting and then, of course, the editing. You're colorblind, though. <laughs> I sure am, Angie. <laughs> and I just think this is something, I know, I just think this is something really interesting to, to bring up. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that impacts, I mean, the editing process and all of that sort of a thing? I think this is just this is just so very interesting to me. Yeah, um, the biggest struggle is with skin tones. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you know, like when I first started editing just unilaterally, and I wouldn't show Mora anything, and there would be like, okay, cut and print up onto the website, up onto the blog, Facebook, Instagram. I would occasionally get a message like, "Hey, uh, Jesse, this this guy's skin is kind of green, don't you think?" And I'd be like. I- Oh, I guess. I don't know. Because I can't, I can't, I struggle with the green magenta spectrum a little bit. So over the last few years, Mm -hmm. we've just kind of incorporated into our workflow uh, that after I get done with all the raw processing, I bring more in to do a final kind of uh, color correction, make sure that, you know, I didn't screw up the uh, skin tones too much before I, you know, do any kind of retouching or anything like that. So it's a little bit extra time now, obviously, since she has to come in and sort of check my work. 
but it's definitely important part of the process for sure. You know, you missed a really great opportunity to say that you just edited entirely in black and white. <laughs> <laughs> like I thought it was just I was, black I was and white. I was going to ask shoot because yeah. I, I used to shoot entirely black and white, like the the JPEG previews on my camera. Oh, yeah. I would keep them all black and white because it helped me compose and see light a lot better. And so, yeah, yeah that, that is interesting because mm-hmm. when when you're shooting, in, I mean, not that we shoot in black and white these days typically, but if they're say shooting, uh, filming a movie in black and white, they have to light the whole thing differently because when you have colors the colors help separate the different components of the the composition for your eye but when you remove all those colors now the only thing that's separating those different components is the shade right the bright brightness and darkest so to create that contrast so you have to light it a lot more dramatically um so it's interesting that you point that out you know shooting with the jpeg previews in black and white that might you know make your images more compelling just by virtue of having to, to shoot it differently yeah, I, I certainly liked my work a lot better then. It just gave my wife heart palpitations because the JPEG the JPEG backups were now all in black and white. Right. So she's like, if the raw card goes oh, yeah. and we're shooting JPEG backup, everything's in black and white. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay. So I switched back. But... There's some people that like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of our clients, uh, our ideal clients, have to like black and white because we like to edit a lot in black and white. Nice. Yeah. I would say it's always been like one of my dreams if we could ever just shoot a wedding where the clients just like deliver everything in black and white, shoot it in black and white. That'd be, I'd love that. But yeah, it'd be like an old film noir. Like that'd be cool. Yeah. So working as a team together, there's a lot of checks and balances between the two of you, right? So, you know, Jesse, you're editing all of this and you're like, hey, Moira's skin tones look good. Moira, obviously you're you're getting the clients right out of the gate when they send an inquiry. You're getting on the phone with them. Uh, when do you bring Jesse into that process and how do you guys balance each other out as a team? As late as possible. <laughs> we realized that the, the lead phone calls, I, I could only fuck it up, essentially. Like, more is so good at it that why, why, you know, don't fix it if it ain't broke kind of thing. Like, don't bring Jesse into it because mm-hmm. I'm only going to do damage, probably. I also, like, okay, I mean, I can turn on the charm on the phone for sure. But I don't let Jesse listen in. And so when I have to do a phone call with him, it makes me so nervous <laughs> that he's going to be just like sitting there and listening in. Because a lot of times I'm like, okay, I have a leave phone call. I'm leaving the house. You don't get to listen. Or I'm going to go sit out in the backyard. You're stuck in the house. So yeah, it definitely throws it off a little bit. Sometimes but- I put a cup up to the door, you know, just to <laughs> hear like, what's more talking about in there? He he did once. <laughs> like I came out of our guest bedroom once after a phone call and... Uh, he said something like, um, I know you don't like me listening in, but I think you did a really good job. I got so mad at him, even though he was just trying to give me a compliment. Well, I, yeah, I wasn't listening in, but no, I could yeah. hear you from right. the other room. And I was impressed. I was like, oh, I mean, she's been doing these phone calls for years, which she calls the good fit phone calls, right? Because it's never a sales call for us. Since we're only trying to do those 20 weddings, it's just to see if it's going to be a good fit for, for both parties, right? And if it's not, well... Will happily send them to someone who they're going to be better off with. But I, I had never actually heard her do one of the calls. I'd heard her talk about them before, but in listening to part of it, I was like, "Wow, she knows her shit. She sounds really <laughs> professional." So like that's you know that's not how we talk to each other in our in our day to day lives. He doesn't get my phone voice. Yeah, she's got a good phone voice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but to answer your question, like, how do we divide it? It's it's interesting that you ask that because I'm not sure if I've ever really thought about that because. We, we just kind of fell into these spots pretty organically. 
And so sitting here trying to figure out like, okay, well, what, what do I pass off to Jesse? And what does, you know, Jesse lean on me for? And I, I think maybe the best way to answer it is that we've just learned to work really well as a team. And as a husband and wife team, we have a really good reason to learn to, you know, to work well as a team, because this is not just the business. This is our lives. And something we learned very early on was how to get through conflict really, really quickly. Have we now? (laughs) (laughs) It's the first time hearing of that. (laughs) We're about to see it firsthand. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Um, Anyway, we'll talk about that later. That sounds good. Um, (laughs) Can can you expand on that, though? Because I know that that's like it's it's a hot button topic for a lot of teams. So I think I'm just joking. We get along pretty well 99.9% of the time. But I think the key to it is just taking time apart. Um, when you live together and work together and travel together and do everything together, it doesn't matter if that's your favorite person in the world. You're going to get sick of each other at a certain point in time. So we're very intentional about scheduling time apart. Um, last month, I did a seven-day kind of retreat at a, by myself at a cabin in the woods in Airbnb just to, you know, to take my time to myself and give more of the house to herself. She did the same thing the month before that. Um, I have a studio about 20 miles uh, away from our house where I'll go down and work for a couple of days to give her the house to herself. And she'll go down and work uh, in my studio. In pre-COVID time, she would go to a coffee shop to work. But now she'll go down and work in my studio just because if we didn't take that time apart, we, yeah, we probably would have killed each other by now. And, you know, there's that old adage about the, you know, absence making the heart grow fonder. Uh, I think that's 100% spot on. Yeah. And, you know, in times when we can't do that, for example, at a wedding, you know, weddings are very high emotion. And as the photographer, the people who are with the couple the longest part of the day, you know, like we're with them the entire day, they can't turn a corner without seeing us there. You take on a lot of that stressful energy, but you can't ever really reflect it back out. You know, all you can do is say, like, everything's fine. It's going to be okay. Even if inside you're just like, I was just yelled at by, you know, the catering captain or what have you. Not really in Colorado because everyone here is pretty chill. It's the weed. (laughs) We did. (laughs) The thin air and the legalized weed. I thought it was the sunshine and the exercise. And the sunshine and the exercise. And the weed. (laughs) And the weed. Even Canadians are so polite all the time. (laughs) It's uh, nationally illegal in Canada now, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. But we, we noticed that, like, you know, when we got together and we're, you know, like organizing our equipment or something in between events, we might snip at each other. And we had to learn, like, what I'm pissed off about is not him, even though, like, I'm, I'm snipping at him and getting after him. It's just, like, this is kind of the only place that I can release these emotions when, you know, dealing with whatever stress I've been dealing with on the wedding day. And so not only did we have to get over the, like, okay, she's not yelling at me because of me, but also then he'll turn to me and be like, okay we're on the same team. And it's just that reminder that like, it's not an us thing right now, what's going on, like being mad at each other or or what have you. We're on the same team and we have the same goals and let's just reorient and, you know, and use that to power us through it. Yeah. It's just those two words that are like a mantra now when things aren't going so hot. It's just same team. Same, And it's like, oh yeah, same team. And it really works to like, if, if you're the one who's like in the middle of that, that like, I'm so stressed out and I'm kind of emotional about it, whether it's, it's angry or sad or what have you, it does really snap us out where it's just like, oh, right. You know, it, it helps you step back from that emotion and, and just put that aside and, and move forward on the wedding day. Did you, did you uh, pick those skills up from anywhere in particular or did it just grow over time? 
which is that good? No, um. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, you know, it's an iterative process, like yeah. like everything else. So it's just something that we've probably picked up over time. Uh, but it's not like I don't want to give the impression that we're great at this and that it it just works out all the time, right? This is sort of just what we aim for. But yeah, it's like we're, you we're know, we're shooting a fifteen-hour wedding. It's like yeah. it's tough, and there's there's lows and there's highs, there's ebbs and flows. Uh, sometimes your photos suck. Sometimes your photos are great. Yeah. Sometimes you're on yeah. top of the world. Sometimes you're miserable. So it's just uh, you yeah. just have to ride that that wave, you know. But like you, you need those dark times. I feel like to appreciate the, the good ones. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me a lot of um, there's a a book. It's a couple's book called uh, Getting the Love You Want. That's around this specific type of therapy called Imago therapy, where it's very much about this kind of process of like, hey, we're on the same team. The thing that I'm mad about, I'm not mad at you about, but I still have to express it in some way <laughs> and like holding space for the other one so they can just move through. Not not from there, but yeah, it just reminded yeah. me a lot nice. of that. I think we've definitely gotten better. I mean, we, we are telling you about the final product. We aren't showing you all the R&D. And we've definitely gotten better at asking for what we need, you know, and, and in doing full day coverage like we do, what we found is that, again, gives us some space. You know, if we hit cocktail hour and I'm like, I have been shooting straight from, you know, six o'clock this morning when hair and makeup started and I just really need a break. Jess is like, cool, I got it. You know, take 15 minutes, go chill, you know, like listen to a meditation, listen to some music, read a book, just sit and stare at the wall, whatever you have to do to just come down to the level where I need to be to, to do my best work. And same with him, you know, like if, if he's dealing with the same thing, that's where, you know, I know we said that the Venn diagrams don't overlap a little very much, but like, that's where that overlap helps. It's like, if one of us can handle that, that part, then the other gets a little bit of a break to recenter themselves and, and just get straight in the head. Is that where all the great photos of Jesse looking out windows and stuff come from? <laughs> Now you're going to have to splice some of those into the YouTube version of this. Yes. Primarily, (laughs) yes. Definitely. I need those times. Like, I I think we're both pretty introverted. And, you know, again, only doing the 20 weddings helps. But throughout a 15-hour wedding day, sometimes as an introvert, you can feel a little bit overwhelmed when you're surrounded by 200 people all day long, right? So just taking five minutes here or there uh, to step away and breathe or meditate or you know like she said listen to a couple songs on your headphones or whatever it is you need to do to get back in the flow of things so that you can better serve your, your clients for the rest of the day right because if, if you let if you just let it keep sort of festering it could come to a head and uh, not turn out so well yeah and it, i think i was gonna say uh wedding photography is such an interesting thing um you know from the outside you wouldn't expect it but it's it's so physically mentally and emotionally demanding um, that not only do we need to be good about taking care of our bodies, but also, you know, these breaks help take care of our minds, you know, emotionally and mentally and giving us or giving ourselves those breaks, I think really help us continue to work at the top of our level that we want to be at. So, you know, you talked about going to your studio. Can you talk to us a little bit about what your side photography projects look like? <laughs> So I'm, you're referring to the my uh, my gemstone and mineral wedding photography I business, am. right? Mineral <laughs> rock star photography. <laughs> oh man, if I yeah, if I was gonna go out and like create my own business based on it, that would be I might steal that from you. Yeah. So I 
I do product photography of gemstones and mineral specimens in a small studio about 20 miles south of our house. Uh, I got into, that was basically my first job when I moved to Colorado from Michigan in 2008 before I uh, it really started up with the wedding thing. I just answered a Craigslist ad looking for a photographer to shoot rocks. Right? And I had no idea what it was. I was just list- I was just replying to literally every single Craigslist listing that had to do with anything creative because we had to pay rent and Boulder is expensive. Mm-hmm. So they had like 250 people reply to that ad. And then they sent us through this like two week long sort of like reality show style process of giving us rocks and having to shoot them. And, and then I ended up you know, uh, being the last man on the island, as it were. <laughs> so I've been, I've been doing it now for 14, 13, 14 years since we, um, since we moved out here. Yeah, I don't know what else to say about it. Most people don't find it too interesting. Do you have any specific <laughs> questions? Well, I mean, I imagine it's got to be hyper-technical with all the facets and everything. Yeah. Yes. That's the main thing is I'll tell people that I shoot rocks and they'll be like, well, can't anybody do that? There must be like it's just a rock sitting there right? as if like it being stationary that that's the measure of how easy photography is is if your subject is stationary uh but yeah it's extremely technical it's uh far more scientific than uh wedding photography is wedding photography is definitely more of an art to us whereas mineral photography is more of a science the colors have to be exactly accurate uh like you said if there's you know a faceted crystal uh it requires setting up all these different lights and different reflectors so that everything is balanced properly. And going back to my color blindness, I don't know what I don't know what the fucking right color is, right? So that was a, that was a long process to get that right. Uh, and Morris still checks my work on that, and I go back and forth, you know, with the people that I work for to make sure that the final product is turning out, you know, accurately enough to to sell these things. But it's an interesting um, sort of niche. Again, going back to niche markets, that it's, it feels like this whole world that I didn't even know existed. I'm like Alice down the rabbit hole, you know, uh, before I got that job. But now that I've been in it for these 14 years, it's, you know, it's, it's been great. And it's been a steady stream of income to sort of, uh, you know, balance out our income throughout the year and also throughout times, ebbs and flows like pandemics, right? Right. And also rocks don't ask if you can Photoshop them to look 30 years younger. <laughs> rocks don't talk back. So it's almost like... <laughs> Again, talking about taking sort of time to yourself, it's almost like a meditative thing for me now Mm -hmm. uh, where I have the process down so I don't really have to think about it too much and I get to go down into my quiet, dark studio, turn on some music and photograph rocks all day and kind of reset, right? So it's like a nice change of pace from doing a chaotic, you know, wedding shoot for 15 hours with 200 people. So it's uh, just sort of a matter of balancing, balancing out, out life and income. Well, and diversification too, right? You know, so often we are told to really narrow it down to, you know, only shoot the thing that you want to shoot and don't, don't even explore other avenues because you need to specialize. But I think that, you know, having, having that side business of shooting rocks and stones, not only would that help keep you afloat during the, you know, during the pandemic when we are not allowed to gather, not allowed to do weddings, but I, I would imagine that it also helped keep you on your toes when it comes to lighting and you know really taking your time to compose a shot yeah definitely it's it's shifting your brain into thinking in a completely different way for sure it really has uh very little overlap with um you know what we think about when we're approaching weddings so it's it's just an exercise and it's like um you know one day you might go for a run and then the next day you might hit the gym and do you know free weights 
right? Mm-hmm. It's just working out different parts of your body. This is working out different parts of my brain and my creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think uh, when you build in that time to rest, which is not just straight up like sitting on the couch watching Netflix, resting for us is just shifting to a different activity. In my experience, at least for me, it allows my brain to think through some some issues that I'm, I'm working through. We see that a lot whenever we do a major overhaul on the website is I'll, I'll throw a fit. I'll be like, I don't know how to do this. I'm not a web designer. We need to hire someone. We need to do this. Just like, no, no, I think, I think we can figure it out. And then I go <laughs> Works off. every time. I go off, I do something else. <laughs> and I, I'm grumbling the whole time. I'm like, oh, stupid, stupid. Thanks, I can figure it out. I'm not a figure. And then sure enough, I figure it. I'm like, wait. Maybe if I try this thing and then it works and, uh, you know, so I'm not helping my case. <laughs> That's something that I learned very early on. If I was just, if I just say to Mora, yeah, I think you can do it. I know that she's going to do it. So if I, it doesn't matter what the problem so is. So then he also takes credit for it. <laughs> she's like, the, the business is getting so complicated. We need to hire a tax accountant to file our taxes next year. I'm like, no, I think, I think you got it. Sure enough, Mora takes care of it. She figures it out every time. God bless her. like a challenge. I know. I, I, I hear I, that. Like, I'm, like, I'm, I'm not even joking when I say that I would be working at a movie theater without her. I don't know how to do any of these things. <laughs> I'd either be paying a bunch of people to do these things, or I would be working uh, manual labor or something like that. That's crazy. I think I could figure it out, but tax tax accounting? No. I'm just happy to pay someone for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Like Enough people say that, that sometimes I wonder if I'm doing it wrong. But we did hire a tax accountant for a couple of years, and I still felt like I was doing the same amount of work. So I was like, well, you know, I'm still doing the same amount of work, and I'm paying more, then I guess I might as well do it. That's how I felt with post-production. That's why I I tried to outsource for a couple of years, and it just never really worked out for me. And I realized that I was spending almost as much time going in and changing it back to what I wanted, that um, I ended up just saying, you know what, I'm going to put on an audio book, and I'm just going to plow through it right from the beginning. So let's talk a little bit more about diversification. When all events and everything stopped, you guys are at Moira, at least you've shifted into something that you call an ephemeral session, right? (laughs) (laughs) My favorite word. I know you love that word. (laughs) What's your first? (laughs) I don't know, but it's not ephemeral. (laughs) Which is, which is very on brand for you guys because you, your brand is, brainy and highbrow oh, so thank can you. you talk to us a little bit yeah can you talk to us a little bit about uh what an ephemeral session is and how that's going for you guys yeah so and this wasn't just due to the pandemic because uh, i had sort of started dabbling in family photography for past clients um probably around the time i quit my full-time job which was what like five years ago i don't even remember time has no meaning this is nihilistic Monday, guys. <laughs> no, this is, this Time is means what the nothing. Pandi- I uh, I have no idea what day it is. What is life? At this point. Anyway, I started doing family photos for our past clients simply because they'd reach out and I had just quit my full-time job and I was like, well, you know, like we need to diversify income since I don't have my full-time job anymore. Uh, so I started doing family photography and I'll tell you, like when I started out, I was petrified because I had only ever taken photos anywhere where Jesse also was like, I'd never gone somewhere by myself. And so to go in and do it on my own was absolutely just, it was terrifying to me. But since then I kind of built it up, you know, and it was great because it also built my confidence in what I do on the wedding day as well. But the pandemic gave me the chance and the space to really build out a website and think through like, 
what kind of photography I wanted to do as far as families go. And I learned that I really, really like documentary photography. And I learned this because um, once a year I go visit my family in Montana and my brother um, has a daughter, my niece. She's five years old now and she's absolutely adorable. And I love just going and hanging out with them for three days. I bring my camera. I don't shoot the entire time, but I shoot just like the regular life things. And I've really connected with those kinds of photos because I feel like they really, they show who a person is better than wrangling up the kids, getting them all to wear matching clothing and figuring out what the best time at golden hour is. You know, instead, if I can go to a family and say like, Hey, guess what? You get to just be yourself. And we've got two hours here. I'm not going to rush it. You know, like I'm not going to be watching the clock. If we go like 2.15, if we go 2.30, it's totally fine. I have nothing else to do today. Let's just hang out and have those like nice special moments with your family. And it also gives them an excuse to carve two hours out of the day to just hang with their kids and do the things that they really enjoy. And in doing that, you know, I find that I can capture those special moments that a lot of people think are too small and too boring. You know, the, the daily stuff. People think that their everyday life is boring, but I think it's absolutely fascinating, especially with kids because kids just, Angie, you know, <laughs> oh yeah, kids throw a wrench in everything, but it's this like beautiful, chaotic wrench that, it, you know, and they only do it in a very authentic way. And so being able to capture that so that they can look back on those photos and see like, yeah, that, that is my kid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's truly them. It's not just this fake like smile for the camera look it's like that's what they do i i have one one kid uh it just did a family session before their newborn came and then a newborn session a couple weeks ago but this kid's like the the older brother is about two years old and my favorite thing about two year two year olds is they will take off their shirt or their pants at some point during the <laughs> session and this kid took off both and, it, and he's just like standing in the kitchen drinking a juice box and his diaper just like this is me and in doing you know, two hours is my short session. And in doing two hours, which for a lot of people, like that could be a long photo session, people can't be perfect for two hours. They start out trying to be perfect. But by the time you hit like the hour point, the parents can't control the the clothes coming off anymore. So, you know, it, it's it's kind of a waiting game for me in order to capture like those really, really important moments. I feel like you're setting up a whole bunch of people for the best photos for their wedding days. You know, when they do those really embarrassing slideshows 20 years from now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. But those are the photos that you look at and you're like, yep. yeah, that's me. You know, as the groom is standing at the back of the wedding with his shirt off and a beer bottle. He's like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not much has changed. Yeah. One more note on diversification, like you were saying that the prevailing wisdom was like, oh, you have to just shoot one thing. So you're considered an expert at this one thing, right? Not a jack of all trades, master of none type of situation. I think it's just that when you're putting the work forward, you should be more specific in, in that phase of it, right? So we're not putting our, our rock and mineral photos on our on our wedding website. We're not putting the family photos on our wedding website. Those These are all separate entities, mm-hmm. it's almost separate brands in a way. Yeah. So I think that's that's but- the most important thing tying into simplicity like i don't spend a lot of time on the family website it's a separate website but it's also you know in by just marketing the past clients it simplifies everything they already know who we are they already love our photos they already trust us so all i gotta do is you know throw up some photos be like here's my latest work and here's the pricing 
you know, do you want me to come hang out with you or do you not? Yeah, we don't have to start from square one with that good fit phone call. You know, the barriers to entry have already been removed Mm -hmm. at this point. Yeah, there's a simple joy in having every lead be a warm lead where it's like you don't have to start from the beginning. Absolutely. So I want to talk too about your alt sessions because I think these are so unique and just so different from what's out there. Can you guys tell us what an alt session is and then how you how you create that session with your clients? Yeah, alt sessions are our answer to boring engagement photos. <laughs> <laughs> we were taking the same photos time after time after time for engagement sessions. And we, we would have clients who'd say, oh, we just need like 30 minutes, just some, like five photos. And... The thing with engagement sessions is you control a lot more than you do on the wedding day. So they really are an opportunity to get creative. And I wish we could take the credit for coming up with the idea of how to do these, but really it was a a client that we had and uh, the couple owned an MMA gym together and they came to us and like, we want to do engagement photos at the MMA gym. And we don't want to do like cutesy, you know, she pretends to punch him. She's like, this is a big part of our life. We, We spar. Uh, you know, and we don't hold back. And so like, this is awesome. Let's go learn about some Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Let's go learn about some Muay Thai and let's take some, some awesome photos. And because they own the gym, we didn't have any time constraints other than I suppose midnight was sort of. Yeah. And they gave us creative carte blanche Mm -hmm. to just do what anything that we wanted to do. Like Maura said, no time constraints. The bride was like, go crazy. Mm-hmm. let's let's see what we can do and we're like yes but yeah. we've never heard that before an engagement shoot before it's usually like what should i wear where do i put my hands i don't know you know we need one photo for the save the date or whatever by uh, about hour three i think they were bringing out a bottle of rum yeah. and then we did our champagne spraying photo we shot for like six hours probably yeah. and we and it turned out really well and uh we were like wow i don't think that we want to uh you know go back to what we were doing before i think we, and how about this? How about we never repeat a shoot from here on out? We never go back to the same location and do the same thing. And if we do do something similar, we have to change it uh, in some way so that every single shoot we do for every couple is going to be unique to them. Yeah. So we, as far as the process works, uh, we talk about it on the Good Fit phone call. So they start by hearing the kinds of stuff that we do, the work that we put into it, uh, you know, what sort of experience they they can expect but like back end we keep we keep a google spreadsheet of our photo bucket list and it's just like anytime something occurs to us we write it down whether it's like a cool location that we've seen or an activity that we think would be really cool or sometimes um you know i think the other day i found like a really cool material and i just put it on there and put a big question mark after it and it's like maybe we can come up with something cool with this we uh our, our last one was just last week at the grand canyon and while we were driving to the grand canyon on i-70 in western colorado we saw a like a wakeboarding park on the side of the road right so it's just this big man-made reservoir essentially where they string up uh guide wires over the top of it and you can go and wakeboard but in colorado we don't really have lakes like we can't go wakeboarding like we did growing up in michigan right mm-hmm. And we saw that. And one, I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> and two, that would make a great idea for an alt session. And we can go and do it one day and then shoot the shoot the next day and then write off that whole trip as a result too, right? And Do not take tax advice from Jesse. Don't take tax <laughs> advice from Jesse. <laughs> but we can write it off. <laughs> I think we can write it off. At least the expense of going to the, yeah. the place. 
So, and that's how we come up with a lot of ideas is just when we're traveling, when we're, you know, out doing things, we're, we're looking around and we're thinking, oh, that would make a good uh, alt session, right? So we've done, you know, skiing, obviously in Colorado, hiking with dogs. We did a, a brewery tour where we rode around in a tuk-tuk and went to like five breweries in a really cool neighborhood in Denver. Uh, what else have we done? We've done maybe 40 or 50 of these we now did a, over, uh, over the years. Yeah, we did a water balloon fight. And then yeah, sometimes the it's really avant-garde. Well, we started with like just a water balloon fight, which was really fun. And then after the sun went down, we filled water balloons with paint. And then we had them throw them at the water balloons at each other. So you get these really cool like paint splatters in the dark. But really, it, it's it's a chance for us to come up with like really creative ideas. And then because, you know, it feeds into Jesse and, and his focus on the, the creative photos um, you know, and, and how that kind of feeds his soul. But it also helps me because I love a challenge. So we don't say no to anything. If someone's like, hey, we want to do X. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to figure out how to do this. I don't care how complicated it is. I'm going to jump through all those hoops. I'm going to figure it out. And we're going to like get this done. And it's going to be a really kick-ass experience. And it's a, it's a ton of work, right? Like we spend way, I mean, just to go to the last one we did at the Grand Canyon, that was like a five-day thing, right? We drove down a day early. So in case there's any car trouble or whatever, we can still get there on time. We stayed for like three nights. We scouted. We hiked. Uh, we did this shoot over the course of two days because of weather. We had to sort of change things around last minute, all for just one engagement session. Right. Uh-huh. So that's another kind of reason why we can only do 20 couples a year. And we don't do these sessions for people who don't book us for their weddings because we just don't have the time to do more than 20. And we also, you know, we, at, that, at a certain point, it would be that we would have to start repeating ideas, I think. Right. Yeah. Have you ever come across a couple where like, uh, we're kind of boring. We're not really interesting people. Like we don't have an idea. Do you pitch them your spreadsheet or like how does that yeah. process work? So I always tell our couples like we, we want to integrate their interests as much as we can. If they have no preferences whatsoever, that's cool too, because we have a ton of ideas. And that goes for both the wedding day and an alt session. And with the alt session, we start out with what their preferences are, because I don't even want to leave them with our bucket list. Um, I want to find out what speaks to them most closely and get get their input first. And then, you know, if, you know, and I think we could, I honestly think we could make, you know, if, if their favorite thing to do is sit on the couch and watch Netflix, I think we could do that too. You know, we yeah, we would like stuff and they make popcorn, and, yeah. you know, that maybe their dog is there, they or whatever it is they like to do. We could definitely incorporate that. But I, I think we've never had anyone who just straight up said, we don't like to do anything. What should we do? They usually give us some direction and then we can send them a list of options and they'll usually kind of narrow down that list based on, you know, they're like, oh, OK, I could see us doing this. Oh, I could see us doing that. We narrow it down to maybe three things mm-hmm. and uh, figure out from there kind of which one we want to do. Yeah, I'll typically go over it. And, and I ask some questions, too, just to find a little bit more about, like, I mean, what constraints do they have? Is it time of year? Because there's some of our ideas that you can only do in the winter. Skiing and snowboarding isn't going to happen in the summertime. You know, do they have time constraints? Are they planning to use these for their, uh, say, the dates? So do we need to get them done in the next week? Because that's also going to limit what we're able to do based on what our calendar looks like, what their calendar looks like. But also, like, how adventurous are they feeling? Are they willing to jump out of a plane and go skydiving? You know, which, yeah, Angie, I, I tell everyone, like, if you pick skydiving, you're doing it with Jesse alone because I don't think people should jump out of planes. If we, I've gone skydiving once, tandem, but I think that I would have to do it another five or six times before I could get the certification to do it, 
it solo and actually shoot it the way that I would want to. But that's definitely a goal. That we One could, of these days, someone's going to call our bluff. So, yeah. oh They're going to pick skydiving, and we're going to have to figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it. You know, we'll what? figure we'll, it out. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah, bungee yeah. jumping. Yeah, anything really. So then we just kind of go through the list and just see if anything pops out, and then based on their feedback, that's when um, you know then Jesse and I will talk about it together and sort of like work through it in our heads very roughly. We don't plan out the whole thing when we've got it down to three options. And then we do like a final pitch saying like, okay, based on these three options, here's what you're looking at. Like these might be the extra fees. This is what it's, what the experience is roughly going to be like. And then they get to pick their favorite and then we go and we just, you know, we want the focus to be less on, you know, cheesing in front of the camera Mm -hmm. and more on just having a great time, getting to know each other. And then they get photos that are very unique to them and that no one else has. And there's another component to this that we haven't uh, touched upon yet is that it's it becomes this shared experience with the couple as opposed to just going to uh, you know a mountain park and shooting for 30 minutes at sunset. There's travel required. It, you know, we usually have a meal together, have drinks together. Just changing into your wedding dress at the top of the great sand dunes and 60 mile an hour winds. That was a, a post wedding shoot where they actually wore their wedding attire. Um, but it becomes this. It, it, it builds trust and relationship with the couple. So that by the time then we go to uh, shoot the wedding, uh, we all already feel like we know each other really well because we've been through this whole process together. So you guys do all these alt sessions. You do your ephemeral sessions, Moira. Um, <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing the weddings. Jesse, you shoot the rocks. If you could fast forward five years where do you guys see yourselves in your business? Celebrating the five-year anniversary of you asking us this question. <laughs> <laughs> We're free. What's up? <laughs> Finally. <laughs> that's a great, yeah, that's a great question. There's a million different ways we could answer this probably. I think, well, and I think five years is too much. So one of the best uh, pieces of, of advice I ever got in my working life was when I was in my early 20s and I met with um, someone. She actually did HR for Crocs locally. And she said, just think about your life in two-year spans because that's about the cycle. Five years is a little long and I hesitate to answer that question because when I look back at where we were five years ago, I never would have guessed that we'd be here now. So whatever we see is probably not what it's going to be. Now, where I would like it to be would be I have like 10 dogs and a million books to and a pet squirrel and I won the lottery so and I already have that she's got check, seven check, of check. them I do she's named them all <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I mean man, I don't, I'm trying to think of an interesting way to answer this I think probably fewer weddings like I said we, we've you know narrowed it down to 20 right now but if we could be at around the 10 wedding mark at a certain point and be charging double what we're currently charging uh, that would be pretty ideal um, maybe do a little bit more education teach some more workshops than we currently are we only do two a year Mm -hmm. at this point kind of ramp that up a little bit maybe buy a second house somewhere in the mountains and rent this house out so we could uh, you know be out and have some property and you know that more as 10 dogs can run around you need space for the dogs obviously (laughs) yeah a little closer to uh the places where we can ski a little more yeah a little more nature yeah i mean what we're getting at is that We want this business to work for us because the thing we value most about this business, it's not easy what we do. We work, I work a whole hell of a lot more than I did whenever I, when I had a desk job, 
you know, and, and we're always working, always thinking we don't have that consistent paycheck. We don't have the health insurance, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> Until you Damn adopt it, us. Canada. <laughs> yeah. So what we do isn't easy, but the reason we do it is because it lets us live the life that we want to live. It it grants us a certain amount of freedom and, and independence. And so where we're going in five years is wherever we have to go to keep that. And if this business ends up ever cannibalizing that and, you know, we can't, we don't feel that freedom or that independence anymore, then we would probably not be in wedding photography. That is our main goal, I think. And if you'd asked me this question five years ago, I probably would have told you that I would I uh, would want to be a destination wedding photographer primarily and travel to other countries and shoot most of our weddings abroad. But in the last five years, we've had some pretty horrible experiences with that <laughs> that have led us to think like, <laughs> maybe maybe that lifestyle isn't quite worth it. Maybe we should just do most of our international traveling solely for pleasure and keep most of our business uh, local to the states. So like Maura said, you know, it's it changes so rapidly that we're going to be such different people in five years from who we are now that, that yes, yeah, it's, it's a great question, but it's one that we could probably sit here and talk all, all day about. So speaking of education, do you guys, this, this is this is your time to shine, Sh- shameless self-promotion time. Do you have anything coming up? Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, is there is there any way that they can connect with, with the two of you. Yeah, we do have a couple of uh, things coming up on the horizon. We are going to do another round of online workshops this spring, late April, early May. And we are also, um, I'm going to cross my fingers because I don't want to jinx it. It's not set in stone yet, but we're aiming for September, October, November, kind of the latter part of 2021, uh, to do a collaborative workshop with uh, another photographer who's not from the States, who we've always really, really loved in person in Colorado. And you can uh, get all the uh, details. Well, not all the details, but you can stay in the loop on that if you go to jlaplante.com slash workshops. We haven't made any official announcements yet, uh, but you can sign up on there to be notified uh, when we do. Awesome. awesome. And is it just uh, jlaplante photo or jlaplante for all of your, your socials or anything, just so people can find you? We'll put links in the show notes and stuff, but... Yep. Instagram is j.laplante.photo. Facebook is uh, same thing without the dots. Perfect. Website is jlaplante.com. Anything else? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even, I don't even know what TikTok is. I, I'm like a 70 year old man. I, I'm so behind the times uh-huh. with technology. The TikToks. I'm a borderline um, Luddite when it comes to that stuff. Just stay off of it. It's a terrible time sink and brings no value to your life. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, it's mostly teenagers, right? I mean, not anymore, but it was originally. I, I, I had a moment of weakness in the pandemic and downloaded it. And I was just like 45 minutes of scrolling, watching stupid videos later. I'm like, what am I doing? And it's like, I had to get rid of it. I feel like all the worthwhile TikToks eventually make it to Elsewhere. the rest of the internet yeah. anyway. Yeah, so I... I don't mind outsourcing my entertainment yeah, exactly. and having someone else wade through the crap. I could be a couple yeah. days late on it. It's fine. God, that's really spoken like people in their 30s, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh, my I'm God. i 40s, Angie. Yeah. Oh, boy. I I'm, I'm part toddler, part 80-year-old woman. I just, like, split the difference. Yeah. So you're hanging out like a, like a cool, like, 48. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
All right, guys. Well, we always end with uh, the, the same question every time. So seeing as business as an adventure, what are the, the field notes or the trail guide that you would give to somebody starting their own business adventure? <laughs> Just silently <laughs> nodding at each other. You. I forgot. You, that, yeah, you this go. is, this is mostly audio only. No, no dead air on the radio. <laughs> Yeah, I know that's how you guys end, and I was I had my answer in my mind earlier, and I'm totally blanking right now, I which is why too, I'm nodding at Laura to go first. <laughs> we've both completely we we prepared an answer because we've listened to your podcast, and now we're totally <laughs> fucking it up. You just put God us in so much. Like well, I, I mean, full transparency too. Not only have you listened to the podcast, we had you on. Oh man, lost all of our audio. <laughs> yeah, this is round actually, two, everybody. Secrets out. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah. Somehow we we screwed up our audio, and I hope so. I'm hoping this one works, right? If not, the third time would have to be the charm. Hey, you know, round three. So field notes. Um, I think my main one is to look outside of wedding photography for inspiration, not only with the photos but also with the business side. You know, we we get our photo inspiration from all kinds of places that have nothing to do with weddings. I'm not even sure if Jesse looks at anyone else's wedding photos. <laughs> not, not these days. I yeah. try not to. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, consume your life and look at it through the lens of like, how does this relate to what I do? Because, um, you know, like we've, we've tried to build, a, build a really authentic business. And the only way of doing that is, is by letting, you know, whatever is going on in our life, we kind of absorb it to become the people that we are. And then how do we put that into our business so that it stays authentic? And, you know, I, I get my business inspiration from all kinds of places, most of which have nothing to do with wedding photography. Like my favorite is my dentist. My dentist is awesome. <laughs> so Jesse and I are, mm, our dental okay. appointments are usually like maybe like two to three weeks apart. He'll go in first. And then three weeks later I go in and the dentist asks me, like follows up on things that he knew that we were doing in that three weeks. I'm like, Manny, how do you know this? And it, it took me a little while to realize, like, they just take copious notes. You know, they take notes about what's going on and they review them before they meet with us. And that doesn't make it any less authentic. It's just they, they want to make that a great experience. And that's something that I do, too, is I take lots of notes during my Good Fit phone call about little things. I always ask about the name of their dog. Actually, this is kind of embarrassing, but I do ask them to text me photos of their dogs. And it's worked out really, really nicely in that some of our clients will just like randomly text me a photo of their dog that they thought was cute. And so I just get these dog photos throughout my day. This is fantastic. But yeah, I just take... I'm stealing that. <laughs> Steal away. It's amazing. It just makes your life better. <laughs> but I just take little notes about things that they say that may just, you know, they think it's just in passing, but it's something that I can follow up with later and remember like what's going on with them. And I also admit, of course, that my brain is not good enough to just remember the conversation. So I do have to write it down. But I mean, that is a great business tip that I learned from my dentist. Yeah, Manny's amazing. Every time I go in there. Our eye doctor does the same thing. Nice. He follows our Instagram and he's like, oh, I saw you guys went here. You did this. I'm just like, yeah. First, temporarily, I'm like, are you stalking? <laughs> like, oh, wait, social media. It's everywhere on the yeah. internet. <laughs> okay. So I still haven't thought of what I was going to say, but I got, I have something new now. <laughs> And I, okay. <laughs> I think when, you know, when we first started shooting or when we first started this business 14 years ago, I thought it was going to be more, a little bit more of a relaxed lifestyle. I didn't know we were going to be working like 70 to 80 hours a week for years. So I think what I've learned in, in all this time, and I wish that I'd kind of been able to embrace more at the beginning is just to sort of enjoy that struggle. 
and, and you know embrace the adversity a little bit. There's a uh, I just brought this great quote uh, by Calvin Coolidge up on my phone that I'm going to read right now, and this is kind of what we've sort of tried to live our lives by over the course of these last 14 years running our business. And Calvin Coolidge once said, "Nothing in this world can take the place of persistence. Talent will not. Nothing is more unco- nothing is more common than unsuccessful people with talent. Genius will not." Unrewarded genius is almost a proverb. Education will not. The world is full of educated failures. Persistence and determination alone are omnipotent. You know, so that's always been really poignant for me. Just in thinking about, you know, there's always going to be someone who's better. There's always going to be someone who's more talented. But the one thing uh, that you can control is how much effort you put in. So if if I'd read that quote when I was uh, 22 years old, 23 years old when we first started, I think that I would have been able to sort of in- embrace that uh, that philosophy earlier. And I think that that serves any business person and any creative well. Mm-hmm. That's good advice, guys. All right. So thanks so much for uh, coming back for a round, round two. Round two. <laughs> and, ding, uh, ding, ding. Should we schedule a round three right now? Do you want to just get it on the calendars, pencil it in? Let's not jinx it. Let's not jinx it. I really hope this one worked out. (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning into our show today. You can find a transcript of this episode and all of our episodes, as well as our show notes at businessasanadventure.co slash podcast. You can find us on our Instagram at businessasanadventure. We'd also love to see you in our Facebook community, where we provide weekly free education for our fellow adventurers. You can find the link in our show notes. And finally, if you want to get a weekly, not spammy, email from us with our favorite things we've found in the business and creative world, you can sign up for our Field Note Fridays at businessasanadventure.co slash fieldnotes.